As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Paul Sweeney. Join us each day for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. You can also watch the show live on YouTube. Visit the Bloomberg Podcast channel on YouTube to see the show weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern from our global headquarters in New York City. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen. And always on Bloomberg Radio, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App. We said, okay, do we want to talk to an economist who knows all the microdata here, or do we want to speak to someone with a bigger, larger vision? He is strong out on LinkedIn writing some really (laughs) allegiac notes with UBS, their global wealth management chief economist, Paul Donovan, today on America, less on China, which is one of his cottage industries. Paul, it's been way too long since I've spoken to you. I love your note. You talk about the hedonism of the American consumer. (laughs) How devilish are we being right now? Well, I think we've got to be a little bit careful with retail sales because, of course, retail sales in the States is really focused in on the goods sector. There is uh, you know, restaurant spending in there as well, but essentially it's the goods sector. As you've just been talking about, it is a nominal number, so we don't adjust for inflation. And what we saw in the consumer price data that we had recently right. is U.S. consumer goods prices for durable goods they're negative. They've been negative for 14 months. They're continuing to come down. So that's damping effect. The other thing, and this I think is, is something we're still struggling to get the scale of, is in the US and in Europe and in the UK, consumers are spending less on goods and more on having fun. Right. And that's not captured. You know, the concerts, the entertainment, the, the, the travel, that's not really being captured here. You know, I know a, a massive Swifty like Tom is obviously paying up for Taylor Swift concert tickets. Yes. <laughs> well, that's money that's not going into the shops. So we've got to factor that into the equation as well. Okay. So softer number, absolutely. But I, I wouldn't go right. too far in well, suggesting it's a weak figure. The heritage of UBS, John Anderson in China years ago, I think of Maury Harris, Drew Mattis yep, a million yep. years ago, was slicing and dicing this. Do you look at these greater numbers like retail sales is an aggregate statistic or is it the haves separate holding up the rest of the nation with their consumer spending so i think there is now very clearly a a split coming through that middle-income consumers are actually in a fairly okay place um because you know, they've got job security. Very, very important to have job security. Middle-income consumers in the States have still got savings. Lower-income consumers do not. And uh, we've also got a fact that you know, middle-income consumers, they're already inflation, uh, facing inflation of about 2%. Not if you live in Texas or Florida, there you've got an inflation problem. But you know, most of the country, middle-income consumers have got low inflation. So all that's helping them. But 
the lower income consumer they're suffering. And there's various ways we can see this in terms of the rise in the number of people, you know, taking second jobs, taking third jobs to try and make ends meet. Uh, the growth of buy now, pay later credit, which is starting to become quite a concern. And that's very heavily skewed towards lower income, younger consumers. So there is a division coming in, in the consumer patterns that we're seeing. Paul, is there, I'm wondering how consumers are funding all these cruises and airline flights and trips to the Super Bowl and all that type of stuff. Are we concerned about consumer debt? Um, I mean, I can't imagine the fiscal stimulus from the pandemic is still around. Are we concerned about the, where the, how the consumer's financing this? So the, the stimulus is sort of around. So again, focusing in on the middle income consumer because the lower income consumer is in a, is in a more difficult place. But the middle income consumer, which uh, is what tends to drive the U.S. economy, there you've still got savings. Some of that pandemic uh, stimulus, you tuck to in your bank account. But the tendency is to regard that as wealth, as an asset. Yep. So you're not necessarily running down the stock of savings. You've got $5,000 in the bank, stays there. However, if you've got $5,000 in the bank, you're starting to say, well, you know, why are we saving $300 a month? Let's save 200 Let's save 100. And so you bring down the monthly savings rate. And that we can see very clearly. And again, both sides of the Atlantic, this is going on. Yep. But in particular in the United States, bringing down that monthly savings rate has helped support. The other thing is that as inflation, again, for middle income consumers has been coming down. So most middle income consumers have an inflation rate that's 2% or lower. What that means is your right. real wages, your inflation adjusted wages are just that bit better. You've got yeah. that little bit more firepower to your spending. Paul Donovan, UBS with us and we will continue. The economist, Sam Rowe, have nope. you seen his Yankee seats? I have not. They're just they're just off to the left side of the dugout as Very well. Nice. It's just unbelievable. Sam Rowe slices and dices it. Thank you, Sam. Gas <laughs> stations, negative 1.7%. Gardening, Paul, the gardening you've been doing, negative 4% as well. What a shock. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Restaurants and bars up 7 tenths sure, of a percent. Uh, right there. Team surveillance keeping retail sales <laughs> exactly. elevated. Exactly. So, Paul, how do you think the uh, U.S. Federal Reserve is going to look at some of these economic data points we've been kind of seeing over the last several weeks here as we kind of gear up for a March meeting, then a May meeting, and, and also June? Well, in an ideal world, um, I think the Fed would not be looking at the recent data points in isolation. It'd be looking at the trend. Yeah, the, the big problem that we've got, and we know this, is data quality has really deteriorated US, Europe, UK. You know, there's, there's a general uh, reduction in the precision of economic data. So we can't afford to get too worked up about a single point. Um, I think that what we are still seeing from the United States on the data that we can trust right. is there is a moderation, but there's not a collapse in economic activity. The general direction of inflation is down. Yep. Now, that means I think you know, the next move is a rate cut. Is it March? I don't think they're going to have enough of a trend in March to go. So they probably go in May because by May you've got you know, a, a solid body of evidence that you know, the direction of travel of inflation is down. The economy is not collapsing, but you don't want to be running so restrictive a monetary policy. You know, I look, Paul, and I got to do this with the heritage of John Anderson and UBS China. For you, it's a cottage industry. Do you believe in 5% Chinese growth? I believe the official figures will probably record 5% Chinese growth this year. 
Um, does that mean the economy actually grows at 5%? That's a very different question. China's got a struggle, of course, because of the U.S. consumer. Because you're, you're all off to Taylor Swift and you're not buying flat-screen televisions anymore, you know, China doesn't export having fun. China exports goods. And that weakness of international demand, I mean, we've got falling durable goods demand in Europe, got stagnant durable goods demand in the United States. The prices are coming down. So the external side can't be relied upon. On the domestic side, the consumer in China is, is sort of fairly sclerotic. They're, they're just not particularly enthused. Um, the right. government is stepping in, clearly, with fiscal stimulus. And that's fine up to a point. In my view, it's not the right way to engineer long-term growth. Um, you, know, you need to be focusing more on trying to raise the consumer share of GDP. But that's where they're going to focus for the time being. You know, it's tried and tested policies. This worked mm -hmm. 20 years ago, so why won't it work now? Okay. Uh, so, you know, as, as somebody who started their career covering Japan 30 years ago, I'm a little bit skeptical about that argument. Right. But, you know, that's the way they're going to go this year, I think. Don't be a stranger. Paul Donovan with us with UBS. Just wonderful. There. I can't say enough about his workout on LinkedIn. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward client ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. With our question, our interview of the day on international relations, and I may argue, Paul, one of the shining points yep. of our study of the chaos in the Eastern Mediterranean. Many people talk, many people write, other people do. He is the former ambassador of the United States to Israel uh, and also the former ambassador of the United States to Egypt that speaks volumes. Wow. Yep. Daniel Kurtzer joins us right now. Daniel, you were a young Turk in Egypt with all of your Jewish heritage, with your work at Columbia, and there you were in Egypt the day that Anwar Sadat was assassinated. What was that like? Well, it was the holiday uh, season and we actually had uh, gone off to the beach. Uh, my ambassador at the time, Roy Atherton, attended the uh, military parade at which Sadat was assassinated. We got a call uh, from the embassy to say the initial reports were that Vice President Mubarak had been hit by gunfire. So I packed up the uh, car, put my three kids in the back seat, went back to Cairo, and seven days later went home. Uh, we, we were concerned about a larger uprising mm -hmm. that appeared to be in progress. There were attacks on police right. stations and 
military units. So it was quite a quite a time. We have a larger uprising now. Mm -hmm. The new Israel, compare it to all of your public service to the nation. I'm going to say a pivot point was another terrible day, the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin. But the new Israel, what is the character of that versus all that you've studied in your career? Well, Israel has been moving uh, right uh, for the past 25 years. The uh, onslaught of terrorism, the first and second Palestinian uprisings, the intifadas, have basically decimated the peace camp in Israel and left many people persuaded that uh, it's not peace is not possible. October 7th, the horrific Hamas massacre, I think, uh, has been the final nail in that coffin. And so you have an Israeli public that's not only traumatized, but persuaded that uh, there's no peace on the horizon. So where does that leave us, Professor, here? We're, we're several months into this conflict. And from, you know, from this vantage point here in the States, it just doesn't look like there's any real solution here. Can you walk us through what could be some scenarios here? Sure. Uh, look, the, if there's a hope that uh, change will come from the region, I think that's not going to be fulfilled. You don't have the leadership either in Israel, among Palestinians, or in the Arab world that would uh, take this and run towards uh, a more peaceful outcome, which puts the onus very much on the United States and other outside parties. Of course, we're in an election year, makes it challenging politically for the president to consider uh, a major initiative, but without a strong U.S. push, uh, not only to rebuild Gaza and to provide some hope for the millions of people who've been displaced, but also to try to get the peace process back on track without a U.S. push, uh, we're going to be fated to have this kind of uh, ongoing violence for years to come. So give us a sense, Professor, the position of uh, Mr. Netanyahu in Israel in this whole conflict. We know prior to October 7th, there were serious challenges to uh, his position. Where are we now? What kind of role will he play over the coming months and then maybe even beyond? Well, October 7th changed his political fortunes to a great degree, even though uh, the opposition before that time had been uh, arguing against his ideas for judicial reform. Uh, he was pretty firmly in power with a right-wing coalition. Uh, right now, however, his polling numbers are have tanked. He's somewhere around 10, 12 percent. Right. And the, assumption, and the assumption is that there's an election, he's not going to return. But it's not easy to get rid of a prime minister if that coalition hangs yep. together. And well, so uh, you have a situation where a prime minister right. is uh, governing without support. In the precious time we have left with you, Ambassador, and, you know, again, I, Paul, I can't say enough about someone with roadworthy experience of Cairo yes. and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem as well. But, Ambassador, I want to turn to the protests in America, and I want to take it to your Columbia University, and it may be Students for Justice in Palestine. It may be, in December, Columbia suspended pro-Palestine student groups. Ambassador, with your service to Egypt and your knowledge of the Arab world, I want you to speak to the kids who are pro-Palestine. What would you say to them? You know, the hardest thing for those of us who have served in government, but also for those of us in the private sector, is to have two contradictory ideas in our mind at the same time. You know, what happened to Israel on October 7th was unimaginable. And what's happening in Gaza since is unimaginable. And so, you know, to, to take one side or another really doesn't help resolve this issue. 
And the argument I've made is on, on Princeton's campus, where I now teach, or at Columbia, where I did my, my studies, is we've got to talk to each other about this. It doesn't mean that you can't be a partisan. It doesn't mean that you can't right. advocate for change. But we've got to start talking to each other. To our two presumptive candidates, can President Trump and President Biden talk to each other? Doesn't look like it. Uh, they've adopted so many uh, positions in contrast to each other, and now they're yeah. they're moving further away in this era of uh, highly partisan politics, both domestically and in foreign policy. Professor Kurtzer, thank you so much. Daniel Kurtzer at Princeton, and of course, his public service to America uh, in Cairo and also in a greater Israel. Capital economics on the retail sales, I like what their language is. Finally, the consumer is faltering. Yes. So that's okay. in All right. uh, good language here. Why don't we get a brief? Why don't you bring in Ms. Young? Absolutely. Liz Young, she uh, is over at SoFi. That's where the kids uh, invest. Great, great platform over there at SoFi. She's head of investment strategy. So Liz, we've had a lot of uh, economic data. We've had a lot of earnings data. When you put it into your mixer, what do you come out with for a strategy for your clients? You know, it's interesting. This has been a big economic data week, and obviously we saw the market wobble quite a bit on Tuesday, but then we were over it Wednesday. We're, we look to be somewhat over it today. I don't think yet that there are enough data points in a row to scare investors out of what continues to be this momentum-y late cycle market environment. And so far, that's probably okay. The thing that is getting somewhat troublesome for me is that we continue to say, well, the labor market is strong, therefore the consumer is strong. And now if this retail sales number is not just a blip on the radar, we're starting to see cracks in consumer spending. So perhaps the labor market numbers that we get are not really representing the true sentiment that's out there. And I think that's a, a decent possibility. So for Fed watchers out there, can they kind of extrapolate here and say, hmm, maybe the uh, Fed needs to get moving here uh, to kind of help the consumer here if we get much more data like this? Hmm. Uh, I, my short answer to that is no. Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. We like so it. It, what's interesting is the Fed has said even this week that there's been a decent amount of Fed speak. And what you've heard from them is that we expected this. We expected there to be a little bit of an uptick in inflation. <clears throat> so this is still in line with our projections. Here's the thing about the Fed too. They're not going to change their tune because they don't have to. This actually proves that they were right. At least the CPI data proves that they were right. The last message that we got from Jerome Powell was something along the lines of, we are not yet confident enough to start cutting rates, which is what took that March rate cut off the table. And that was probably the right thing to do. So the, the odds of a May cut have increased slightly, but we're still at about a 50-50 probability. That's a coin toss. That still proves that the Fed was right to say we should wait. We're not there right. yet. Okay, Liz, I'm going to cut to the chase. And I think a lot of people don't know this. It's great. You know, we talk about belt and suspenders. Mm -hmm. you know, we got a lot of Wall Street firms like that. Liz Young's never worn a belt. She's never worn suspenders. No. I mean, it's digital. It's new. But what this is really about, Liz, is your leadership is Anthony Noto. Once, you know, years ago, he said Goldman Sachs years ago. Yeah. I'm like, who is this suit. guy? Because like suit. you're reading it. 14 page documents and you got to read every page of Anthony Noto. Then he goes to the NFL. Yep. Then he wanders by Twitter for a cup of coffee and he goes, I got to work with Liz Young. <laughs> yep. So I got Anthony Noto and I got Liz Young over at SoFi doing the modern thing. 
Do we underestimate Liz Young, the modern thing, which Noto's done for decades? Do we underestimate our technology? Do we underestimate our productivity on top of that technology? Well, I don't think investors are underestimating it necessarily. I mean, obviously, we've seen a lot of money flow into these themes that are very progressive for the next five to 10 years. One of the things that we have the benefit of at SoFi is this unique ability to see investors and see consumers through all stages of their journey. So we can start with the student loan piece of it. We can then graduate them into banking. Then we graduate into mortgages. We talk about investing, saving for your future, saving for retirement. There are all sorts of things that we get a lens into and we continue to grow that member base, which is great. And I think that there are a lot of consumers out there that are appreciating that progressive approach to managing your finances. Now, are we underestimating the power of productivity if, if we just right. shift over to investing to some degree? I don't think we're underestimating it. The issue that I have with the productivity argument is that you'll hear that a lot, right? We can still yep. have GDP grow if productivity grows and it shouldn't increase inflation too much. The pushback that I would give is that if you look at the AI theme, for example, so if your thesis is that uh, AI is what's go. gonna help grow productivity, look at how much the companies <clears throat> that have right. benefited from this AI boost are spending on AI. Right. If they're spending and investing that much on that new theme, their costs right. are rising, eventually prices go up. So it does all bleed right. through. I do think it still grows inflation, at least in the near yeah. to medium term. Well, there's Paul Sweeney age this morning. We had somebody <laughs> in here telling me I got to rebel and sell my Microsoft, sell my NVIDIA, sell my Magnificent 7. It's so fi. Are you rebalancing <laughs> out of the stocks that Anthony Noto covered for years? I wouldn't say we, I mean, we, we're not telling people that they have to rebalance. The only way that I can really answer that for our platform is what's going on in our robo-advisor and the models that we have there. And we do make sure that we're not overly concentrated in any one or two names. So you'll see us underweight some of those Meg 7 in those models just by nature of making sure that concentration isn't too much and exposing people too much to those bets. But investors obviously can do whatever they'd like with their own portfolios. And what we've seen so far is that there's still a lot of this late cycle behavior, which breeds FOMO and you see people chasing the momentum trade. So I think that's happening across all platforms and it continues to happen because so far there really hasn't been a huge reason to not believe in it. But I do think that as some of this data stacks up, if it continues on this trend where we've got hotter CPI, cooler retail spending, that starts right. to bleed over into earnings in the next quarter or two. As that data stacks up, you'll see people start to rejigger some of their investments and, and rethink the thesis yeah. that that's based on. Liz, thank you so much. Liz Young with us with SoFi, just, just a, yep. always to me a breath of fresh air in thinking Absolutely. about the different trends. Nobody ever says, make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources. From clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs to ways to cover rising health care costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Today's front page headlines with the newspapers. Lisa Mateo, what do you have today, Lisa? All right, we're getting with the Washington Post. They're saying that there's a study out there that teachers are being a little bit more careful about what they teach in the classroom. Um, This study, it was through K through 12 teachers, 65%, they said they restricted instruction on political and social issues. So why are they doing that? Well, they're worried about backlash from parents. If they teach them the wrong thing or something that's controversial, then they're worried that they're not gonna get the support from school leaders. A lot more parents, they're filing these book challenges. So they're challenging the books that the schools are using. There's also more legislation that's changing how teachers are allowed to even talk about things like race. Is this nationally? Is this within the zip code? Is it, you know, where where is this? Yeah, this is nationally. Um, But there are different areas, you know, politically conservative areas um, where teachers are most likely to consider um, reconsider about what they're teaching to their kids. Uh, it's just a whole new world after It's all. a whole this new world, is. yeah. I, you, know, you know, I thought it was at the local <clears throat> school board level, but I guess there's some more issues going on there. Um, yeah, and I was yeah. just looking at this report. A report by the Rand Corporation found out of a nationally representative sample of 1,400 K-12 teachers, yeah. 65% yeah. Wow, had some restrictions. I saw okay. an Illinois headline quickly here, Lisa, uh, the other day of the I'm going to editorialize and say the failure of mathematics education in Illinois, which was just painful. I mean, to say the least. Let's, what else do you have? What, what have we got here? Sure. The, uh, <laughs> we're going to the Financial Times. They're talking about Citigroup. You know, they've been trying to improve struggling wealth management business. They've been cutting jobs. You've heard about that. Now they're creating some new performance metrics. So here's what they are. Financial Times says they're starting to track how many calls its private bankers are making to clients. So private bankers, they now have to turn in call reports to record each oh. conversation they have with the client. I don't know if this is normal, but they they they, they also been asked to contact each of their clients at least once every 90 days. Uh, Employees are saying, you know what, it's not an effective Sweeney's, Sweeney's over here squirming. Wait, I know, crazy. I'm waiting to hear. I mean, as a sell side analyst, we had to do that. We filled out you our did. call logs. Okay. I did 100 calls a week for 20 years. That's how you build up your client base. And then you, you know, you have to talk to everybody. You have to travel. You have to be out there. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, and, yeah. and this is important. And yeah. Good Morning Global Wall Street has lived this. There's somebody right now on YouTube watching this on their cell phone at O'Hare who's got to go to Cincinnati and then Des Moines yep. on, a, on a cell side call. Paul, do you suggest there's still no substitute? for getting on the phone and getting out there. Absolutely, I think so. And you know, but we saw during the pandemic that you can kind of get around it a lot, but- um, Zoom? You know, yeah, Zoom and all that type yeah. of issues. I don't know, but um, you know, but then, you know, everybody, you know, you leaving blast voicemails, blast emails, all that kind of stuff. It's but very, very hard to cut Everybody's emailed out. Everybody's yes. emailed, yes. Am, I, am I right, Lisa? That's yeah. why one of the greatest functions on the Bloomberg terminal is IB. Because what I found is mm-hmm. you IB a client 
boom, they ping they you right it. back. No, they won't true. answer your phone call. They won't answer your email. But if you IB them. Because it pops right up. Yep. And, the, you're, <laughs> and face, you're, you're part yeah. of the Bloomberg Brotherhood. And, and ah. that's the, one of the one of the many great values of the Bloomberg Terminal is the, the IB Bloom- function. Am I part of the Bloomberg Brotherhood? You are. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Lisa, yes, next. All right. We're going to the New York Times. Uh, motion picture production returning to New York City. So you had that pause in filming with the pandemic. You had the writers and actors strike, right? But now <laughs> it's starting to rebound. Last month, the city issued 389 permits for 88 different projects. We're talking about TV I series. See I see Yeah, them. you've seen them. All okay, good. They're back. They're, yeah. they're back. It's good. Daredevil, Law & Order, FBI, there are even movies. They're filming movies out there. Friendship, The Penguin is coming out. They're filming within the city. So I saw Donnie Wahlberg doing yeah. Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods. How cool is Can that? Can we get him on the show? That's great. Now we should. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Yes, great, great me show. too. Great show. <laughs> it's great. Are you a new kids on the block person? I am. Are you? You are? <laughs> Sorry. That is, Tom, we're learning so much about our Lisa Mateo. The she rock, goes home. New kids, new on, kids the on the block. She's got she's the Dunkin' Donuts commercial on loop. <laughs> yep. I mean, she's so Boston. <laughs> That's funny. They almost talk like Brooklyn there. Yep. But, oh. you know. Uh, let's see. Okay. Quick one. Last one. Wall Street Journal. Tooth Fairy Inflation. Parents are dropping $20 and $100 bills for that first tooth. They're even giving out gifts like iPhones, yep. video this games. This is un-American. I'm telling you. It's a quarter. You it's, get a quarter. It's quarter. I gave a dollar. Yeah, is that I've, done a, I've done a dollar. I've done a dollar back in the day. But it's going up. It's crazy. I don't know. These parents, there's even parents throwing my first tooth parties. you got to be kidding. <laughs> Do you know that I just got the last braces off? Oh, those are expensive. I have, I got I them got off the too. I got the last yep. braces. They did a great job. Yes. You know, I mean, the guy's got a new Hinkley sailboat. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, but it was like it was like that time where you're at Toys R Us a million years ago, and you're over in aisle two where they're trying to hide the diapers, and you're looking down the aisle going, I'm never going to buy diapers again. That's sort of like what the braces thing was. Like, Lisa Mateo, I guess thank you for that. She makes us feel old every time. Yeah. You know. But New Kids on the Block, I didn't, I didn't peg her for <laughs> you that. You won't that's, let it go. No, oh. that's big. I went, it's, it's big. A million yes. years ago, I went to the Boston Music Awards, whatever they are. Yes. And they were just breaking at the time. And they came out, and I'm like, yeah, you know, great big deal, dance boy dance band. Blew the room away. Yeah. I was, they were yeah. brand new. People basically barely knew who they were. And I was blown away. Well, Absolutely I, blown away. I grew up in a household. There were there's four <clears throat> girls. I had three oh, sisters. Wow. So it was you know the Stuff new kids on, on the block. Yeah. Who was your favorite? That was always a thing. I was Jonathan. Another one had Jordan. <laughs> it was just it was it was all over the place. But yeah, in a house. God bless my dad. <laughs> Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast, bringing you the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. You can also watch the show live on YouTube. Visit the Bloomberg Podcast channel on YouTube to see the show weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern from our global headquarters in New York City. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen. And always on Bloomberg Radio, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.